0: Coming at you entirely pre-recorded from my home bat cave on Long Island, New York. I'm Brett Miro, and this is the Fanboy Podcast, episode 152. Once again, sadly, I am without my co-host, Mario Robles. Uh, He uh, just had a lot of stuff going on this week, and it just uh, wasn't working for him. But we did not want to deny you an episode, uh, our faithful listeners. So here I am, and we're going to go down all the nitty-gritty news that dropped this week. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a wonderful week. Um, weather's actually been pretty nice here on Long Island. Been warm. Of course, we're on the East Coast. It is humid as hell. But hey, what are you going to do? But yeah, let's start off as we always do. I'll just uh, give a little insight into what I've been uh, playing or watching recently. Um, as far as watching, I did start Stranger Things. I've watched the first two episodes. Boy, are they long. I mean, it's, it's literally a movie each episode this season. Uh, but I am really thrilled with the horror angle that they are going with everything uh the the end of the first episode was quite chilling and it was really cool so i really appreciate the uh more gruesome more horror uh focused uh, start to this season and from what i hear the buzz is that you know the season this first part of the season because i think we'll be getting the final like i don't know two to four episodes um in like july in a few weeks but this first set i've been hearing a uh, good buzz about it uh so Hey, uh, I am all on board and uh, definitely that is something that Mario and I plan to add to our – even though it's not released weekly, we do want to add like a little reactions thing like how we've been doing for Obi-Wan and and, uh, we're going to also add the boys in there, um, which I should say I've also watched uh, the first three episodes of that. And uh, that also did not disappoint. That first episode had the most wild thing I think I've ever seen. And if you've seen it, I won't spoil it. But if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It was the most wild opening, what, like, I don't know, five to seven minutes or something like that uh, that I've ever seen on television. Of course, it's streaming. They would never get away with this on network. But uh, so that's what I've been watching. I started Stranger Things two episodes in and I've watched the first three episodes of The, of the Boys um, as of the day I'm recording this, which is Friday, June 10th uh, in the morning. Uh, usually I do it Thursday night, but I had to do it this morning. Uh, the boys next episode, episode four is out and, uh, I have not checked it out yet. So that's something uh, I'll definitely love to, uh, touch on with Mario next week. And hopefully he can get some stranger things in. Um, I should also mention uh, just ahead of time, I did not get a chance to watch this week's Superman and Lois. And just because Mario is our Superman expert here and I love discussing the show with him, I am going to also save that little reaction slash review uh, for when he returns, uh, hopefully next week. So uh, keep on the back burner. We should hopefully have some Stranger Things reactions, boys reactions, and uh, be up to date on Superman and Lois. Um, later in the episode, I will give you my Obi-Wan episode four reaction though. So you do have that to uh, look forward to. Hopefully, uh, that said, uh, that's what I've been watching. Um, now, uh, what I've been playing something, I decided to finally bite the bullet on cause I'm a fan of the series, but I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know if I really want to dip into this. I did pick up tiny Tina's wonderland's. Um, which is a kind of spinoff of Borderlands. It's a spinoff of a DLC that they actually had for Borderlands 2, where it's kind of like a Dungeons & Dragons inspired uh, adventure, but this has been blown out into like a full game, not just a small DLC. Um, I'm a big Borderlands fan. I played the crap out of Borderlands 2. Loved it. I was definitely younger at the time, and you know some of the humor maybe hit a little bit better. Um, it's kind of just raunchy, silly, goofy uh, kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I played Borderlands 3 too, loved the game, played through it. I think I played through like one of the DLCs, but that was a game that once I finished it, I really didn't feel motivated to go back to it as much as I did with Borderlands 2. Um, There was just something about it. The game itself was good. It played fine. Um, I liked all like, you know, the little uh, quality of life improvements to it, but it just didn't stick with me. Um, I finally, uh, uh, you know bit the bullet on this one. They had a sale. So instead of $70, it was knocked down to like 50 or 55. So I said, why not? Let me get it. And one of my best friends, uh, has been clamoring for me to get it so we could hop on and play a little bit together. So I finally did it. Um, quick little review I've played. I don't know, let's say 10 hours or something so far. I'm pretty early into the game. I'm like level 15, and, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's it's I like the fantasy setting. It's kind of enough of a shift to kind of freshen up the series. It's still the same gameplay. Don't get me wrong. It's still, you know, loot, you know, all the crazy zany humor, um, you know. But they did add a couple little cool things. Uh, there is, like, an overworld now that you can kind of walk to and explore and get into little combat encounters uh, in between going to areas, which I actually find is a nice little addition and it kind of breaks things up. Um, I am one of the people that I know a lot of people hate. Uh, Tiny Tina as a character. They find her annoying, obnoxious. I think Ashley Birch is just so good. It does not bother me. So I actually really enjoy Tiny Tina and like the weird, crazy voice and just the crazy stuff she says. Um, the writing, at least so far, too, does seem a bit better than Borderlands 3. Because I thought Borderlands 3 did not live up to the writing standard set up in Borderlands 2. I feel like this is definitely a much uh, higher quality. Also, if you didn't know, a lot of great voice actors in this one. So not only is Ashley Birch back as Tiny Tina, but we have Will Arnett as the villain, um, and he's just always great. He has great delivery, um, and he works perfectly as the villain. Uh, Andy Samberg is also in it as like um, one of the other players that is playing the Dungeons and Dragons game with you, and uh, is also great. And then we have Wanda Sykes as well. All of them really uh, didn't phone it in. They really like looked like they tried and cared. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Like I said, the fantasy setting mixed things up just enough. It gives it a little different sheen, uh, some different looks to some of the areas. Uh, and yeah, it's it's working for me. So I'll uh, I'll keep you updated on how I am a little further into it, if I'm getting sick of it or not. But so far, it is uh, very fun. So check it out, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. All right. So now that we've gotten through that, let's move on to what is and forever will be our Superman on film update and folks, you know what, what, what I have nothing to tell you again this week. There's nothing. It's been radio silent. The same little rumors are floating around. Most of it is just people speculating or lying on the internet about other things they've heard or what they hope or what they think. Uh, we we just don't know folks. We don't know what's going on with Superman. The only thing we know uh, as of our latest update is that they, they want to get something going. You know, we had that rumor, uh, I believe last week, or it was like a, an insider commenting on things they heard and putting in their two cents, but uh, they want to, they want to fast track something. So I'm really hoping, I mean, at this point, just to be a little realistic, I'm hoping we hear something by the end of the year of like, Hey, we are moving forward with this time. code script, or, you know, we're not doing that. Or we have another script that came out or, you know, whether Cavill coming back, whether he's not. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. So I'm hoping just at some point, by the end of the year, we do get a little something, but it looks like that is on the fast track, and uh, that's, that's all we know. They want to get Superman out there. They want to build all that stuff up. So that's your Superman on film update for June Uh But switching over to uh, our other friends over at Marvel, Fantastic Four. So uh, this has been uh, a movie that's announced there as far as that they are going to do it. Uh, Previously, John Watts was attached to direct and he has since backed off because he doesn't want to burn out. He did three Spider-Man movies in a row. And we also know uh, from my report from the Star Wars celebration stuff, which this was two weeks ago when I did the solo podcast, he is working on a Star Wars show as well, which I imagine is just like a big undertaking. So I guess that... Coming off those three Spider-Man movies, now developing a Star Wars show, and then rolling right into a Fantastic Four, which, you know, obviously is a very important franchise and one that they just picked up from Fox and that they really have to get right. It's a very beloved, you know, series and 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 franchise, and it's it's Marvel's, you know, first family, so to speak. Um, and also, uh, you know, spoilers really quick for Doctor Strange 2, if you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't been spoiled, I'm just going to give a quick little warning here. Um, you know, now coming off this that we've seen fan cast, uh, dream, John Krasinski show up as a, uh, you know, alternate reality, uh, Reed Richards in Dr. Strange two, that's really kind of set the fire, uh, going and, uh, you know, we still have no casting or anything yet, but you know, obviously it's, it's on the mind. It's important. And Marvel may have given us our possible look at who the Reed Richards is going to be. We don't know, but Now that we have that background out of the way, um, the most recent report comes from Justin Kroll, uh, who uh, works for Deadline. He's dropped a couple of tweets. And uh, basically, I won't like read the tweets like word for word. I'll just kind of summarize it. Apparently, Marvel is eyeing some big name directors for Fantastic Four. Um, According to Justin Kroll here, um, he says he would be shocked if it's a choice made before. Well, he didn't say this. I guess it's someone he heard it from. I don't know. Anyway, they would be shocked if we heard an announcement made before Labor Day, who the director is. It apparently seems that they are taking their time, uh, but they are going after some big names. There hasn't been a list of who those big names are, but you know we could probably imagine. Um, obviously, people being that we had Krasinski show up as Reed Richards um, and his wife, Emily Blunt, is a great actress. I, a lot of people are trying to fan cast John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as uh, Reed Richards and the Invisible Woman. Um, so you have that aspect to it. And then John Krasinski himself being a director and, you know, he's done two, uh, his, two of his movies have been a quiet place, which are, you know, a little more character driven ensemble driven, uh, have some action, have some suspense in it. So maybe he would be a good choice to also star and direct, but again, Marvel movies are a little bit of a different beast. I believe than uh, you know, a quiet place was a quiet place was definitely like a lower budget, more uh, indie type film. This is obviously Fantastic Four is going to be a big, wildly special effects-driven uh, extravaganza just because of the powers on display. I don't think you can avoid that. So I wonder, it'd be a lot to act in it and direct it, and also, you know, I don't know his level of experience with such a big production as well. So just something to keep in mind. But anyway, um, the other the reason for this, too, there's kind of like a reason behind why they are eyeing some big-name directors. Apparently, Kevin Feige... Um, just does not want to oversee an entire shoot. Um, Listen, he's been doing this for like, what, 20 plus films at this point. He has to be very involved in that. And we know that he is kind of moving. I wouldn't say he's moving on to Star Wars, but now that he's dipping his toe into the Star Wars universe, I assume that's a big dream for him and something that he really wants to get rolling and get right and uh, be involved in. So I think, yeah, maybe the days of Kevin Feige, like really like, you know, closely monitoring every single Marvel movie that goes out there maybe coming to an end. Uh, the reason being when he had Rami come in to direct Dr. Strange two, apparently he did not have to worry about too much with Rami. He was able to kind of just let Rami do his thing and just kind of just, you know, oversee maybe check in, pop in here and there, but not have to really like oversee the entire shoot. Um, and you know, having seen the movie, it does feel a little, you know, for better or for worse, a little looser, a little different than a lot of the stuff that has come before from Marvel. Um, I don't think it was as tight. Um, and, uh, obviously as aside from the WandaVision connections, like as interconnected as uh, a lot of the previous, you know, pre end game, you know, films were. So, uh, yeah, it seems like he just, he just wants the same outcome. Uh, that that's the, the, the words here is that he is very game, to have, to have, I'm paraphrasing, very game to have the same outcome with this shoot. So they want to get someone who knows what they're doing in there that they can trust. So Kevin Feige most likely can work on the Star Wars stuff and uh, maybe not kill himself <laughs> overseeing all these movies. I, I can't even imagine the amount of pressure that this guy has <laughs> on his back. And it seems like it's welcome pressure. He takes it on. But, I mean, you got to understand it's got to be a lot. You know, whether, whether you like the movies or not, you know, it's it's a big it's a big thing. It's a lot. Holy shit. I can't even, I cannot even imagine. So that's uh, the news on that. So yeah, you know, listeners, I would love for you to tweet at Mario myself or at obviously the fanboy uh, show at the fanboy show on Twitter or email us at the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear um, those director suggestions. Um, recently, uh, I think I've heard, some, I've seen some people floating around that. I, don't, I forgot his name. I don't have it in front of me right now, but the, uh, the, the lad who just directed Top Gun Maverick, a lot of people are saying he might be a really good choice. Um, I always see Christopher McQuarrie's name floating around, uh, the director of uh, you know the Mission Impossible films. Obviously he can handle uh, an ensemble cast and handle like a big action flick uh so and you know his name was also floating around possibly with like superman or green lantern um so i could totally see him coming in there um yeah i don't know i i I definitely think they they could it's interesting the fantastic four i'll just uh, really quick my two cents i'm not like a huge diehard fantastic four fan um of yes i saw the old previous movies i think you know being that you they are marvel's first family and i don't know if like you know the the Reed Richards we saw in Doctor Strange. Um, at that point, we do know from his dialogue, he, uh, him and the Invisible Woman already had kids. Uh, so they had, I guess, what is that? Franklin Richards, and I uh, unfortunately I forget the daughter's name off the top of my head. Again, I don't follow the comics too strictly, but. That one was like, I guess, an older, uh, you know, been been doing the Fantastic Four thing for a little while and has kids at this point. So it's curious if they are going to do more of an origin and maybe, you know, uh, use younger actors, if they are going to carry Chris Krasinski over. And because he is, you know, kind of older, I think he's like in his 40s or like, at least like late 30s, probably in his 40s, um, if they are going to bring him and in, introduce him right away and they already have the kids and they've been doing this for a while or if it is going to be um, – you know, Krasinski, but maybe they will not have had kids yet. And maybe it is more, eh, maybe not an origin, but like maybe like a couple of years into their having gotten powers and all that stuff. So it just, yeah, it it depends where and how they're going to frame this. Um, But what I was going to say is being that it is, you know, Marvel's first family, um, you know, I wonder if they are going to take maybe like a more, intimate approach um again you have these wild powers you know you have Reed Richards you can stretch invisible woman turns invisible obviously and she has like some like psionic powers and whatnot um obviously uh the thing is a weird rock monster and you have Johnny Storm who just turns into a, a big flaming human being so uh that part is very heightened but um they could do a really more contained story that is about you know family and and uh about family. (laughs) Not like the, not like uh, the fast and the furious franchise. It's about family. Uh, but I don't know, just, you know, not you, if you follow me, they could do something a little more interesting, a little more intimate, maybe a little more emotional. Um, something that has a little more depth to it than just like, look at these four people that are so close together and look at them do all their crazy powers. I don't know that that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So I don't know, but that's the news on the street. So according to this insider, Uh, uh, Justin Kroll and uh, you know whoever he's been talking to we shouldn't expect to hear anything anytime soon maybe uh, you know after um, Labor Day so we're looking you know September, October, November, December maybe we'll get some uh, some info maybe not maybe next year we'll get it. It seems like at at the very least this movie is not going to come out until like 2025. I'd be really shocked if we see it by like 2024 Um, but hey we'll see uh, now we're going to flip back to DC. I have a, I have a little thing. We're going to alternate a little bit today just to try to break it up. So this, uh, I don't know if this next one really came out of nowhere. So to speak, it had been rumored had been hinted at, but Joker is officially getting a sequel. Uh, we did get a title. It is called, and uh, forgive my French, uh, Joker folie Adu. Um, I'm assuming that is not a working title, and is the actual title. Um, and there's a, there's a little bit. So Todd Phillips is back. Todd Phillips is back to direct this. Um, he also is writing the script with Scott Silver again. So same writers. Uh, we know Joaquin Phoenix is going to be back in the titular role. Um, but uh, fully adu, adue is it? A, I don't know what it is. Whatever is a psychiatric syndrome where two or more people begin to share delusions. So right off the bat. Uh, Everyone started saying, okay, it's going to be a Joker, Harley Quinn movie. This, uh, you know, and uh, that, that actually certainly seems like it could be uh, the case Um, might be a little on the nose um, might be confusing being that. Well, is it confusing? I don't know. We have the Barry Keon Joker and we know that this exists in its own universe and we have Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I would assume it's not going to be Margot Robbie. She's doing the Suicide Squad and like that side of the DCEU. So we might get some new casting. Maybe it is just a way to trick us and maybe it's not necessarily about Joker and Harley Quinn. Maybe it's just about uh, the way Joker starts like maybe inciting uh, others. Maybe, maybe we have a bigger focus on Arkham Asylum in this one and it's how the he starts his delusions start being shared uh among some of the other inmates maybe we get some like other little takes on other villains i don't know i guess there's a lot of a lot of opportunity here but Uh, Previously, Todd Phillips had said, you know, they were not contracted to do one. Um, Of course, they had the conversation, they talked about it, but they weren't going to come back and do it unless they really could crack a good story that had, you know, something to say something to tell. Obviously, the first movie very heavily focused on the way we treat, um, you know, people with mental health problems in this country, uh, definitely had something to say on that. And uh, just how, you know, uh I, I had seen like an early uh showing of it about a week before it came out. Uh we were lucky, uh Mario and I, well, Mario didn't come with me. I went by myself, but I was lucky enough to get um, a press screening of that. And I did write a review for um revengeofthefans.com, which was our previous website where we had the Revengers podcast. And um, you know, one of the uh things I had put in my review is uh kind of that maybe maybe we deserve the monsters we create. Um and we kind of create these monsters by not taking care of them properly. So that, that was certainly a theme or message in that first one. So the second one now, again, going off that, um, fully, the title psychiatric syndrome where two or more people begin to share delusions. Um, it's interesting. Like, I'm wondering what this one's going to say. I mean, obviously they can carry on that theme of like, Hey, look, this is what happens, but maybe that, uh, you know, crazy breeds more crazy or something like that. I, I don't know where they could go with this or, um, how, you know you think about it in terms of our current world and how some of these like you know wild conspiracies or you know you know political i'm not going to go like into it you kind of know what i'm alluding to some of the crazy conspiracies and just stuff going on in politics lately that sometimes sol- seem like delusions or are delusional and how when people start throwing those weird delusions out there um you see how easy it is for the dominoes to fall and for a lot of people to kind of fall for it as well. So uh, I could see that being a commentary on where we're at and, you know, fake news media and whatever, I'll just say it like, you know, election fraud and all that stuff. I, I feel like, um, you know, and kind of like how we had a man barking that, you know, from a, a, a golden tower and how, how many people are now sharing in that delusion, regardless of how you feel about it. I, I don't want to get political on here or whatever. Um, I guess you could tell my tone <laughs> that I think it's a little bit crazy, but, um, you know, I, I think that that could be where they're going with this, like how we start to share in the delusions of others. And it's certainly something we see in our real world. So that, it, it, um, I'm, I'm discovering this in real time as I'm saying it. So part in the, uh, the random, uh, blabbering off but yeah i I think that is uh certainly an angle so um i personally um as i'm talking about it now i'm a little more positive on it but when they first announced this i was kind of like i don't really i don't know if i really need it um and and you know i obviously the movie made a lot of money it was reviewed very well um I think Joaquin Phoenix won an Academy Award, right? Or at least someone was not, I forgot. He won an award or it was nominated. There there were definitely awards or at least award considerations for this film. So I know there, I've definitely seen a lot of people, even people in my circle that didn't really care for it, didn't really want it, didn't feel like it was necessary, didn't think it was as great as it was. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool film, but you know, sometimes I, I think, well, we'll see. I guess time will tell. Like we're getting this sequel, so if the sequel is good and can say something else and be, you know, as good or close to as good as that first one was, um, then hey, you know, they they did their job. But you know, if it's not, it's it's going to be a perfect example of like, hey, sometimes you don't need to always have a sequel for things. Just just leave it. Like that was a cool little detour. It was a cool little like Elseworlds, you know, Dark Label DC DC Black Label kind of tale. But, um, the other angle of this too, is now that I say the DC dark label, DC black label, that was like, that, that, uh, branding that was floating around, um, at the time, uh, that they were going to have like these kind of like elseworld, like not connected to the main, uh, continuity stories. Um, this could make a case for that. Like maybe this, now that we had the Joker, now that we are doing this sequel, uh, maybe that is saying like, yeah, we are going to move forward, uh, with these little one-off stories. and. I don't know. For me, I think that's actually kind of cool. You know, like I'm too, you know, listen, content, content, content. There's so much fucking content, right? It's like a, it's like an overload, but at the same time, like if, if it's good content, if it just, you know, has something to say, if it's just something different to offer, and then we still get like our in continuity, you know, our Joker with our Batman and stuff like that. You know, some people say the Joker can't exist without Batman, blah, 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 blah. whatever. You know what I mean? It's they're cool little stories. Like you don't have to look at this as like, Oh, now we're not going to get, you know, this movie or that movie. Like this is just a, a little, a, a, a side thing. Um, it's its own little, uh, you know, has its own identity. It's in its own little universe and maybe just enjoy it for what it is. Maybe we could just enjoy things for what they are instead of being angry at it. Cause guess what? You're still going to get your fucking Batman movie. We know we're getting a Batman sequel, um, unless like, you know, the new owners come in and just go, no, nope, we're not moving forward with it. But that seems kind of wild. It was, I think, successful enough. And the, the critical reception was very good. Um, and, you know, and whether we get Joker as the main villain or not, whether you like Barry Keown's Joker from the little scene that we, you know, that we actually have, which was deleted, by the way, in that one little small little scene where you barely see him and you just hear the laugh that's actually in the film you know, never just, just try to enjoy it for what it is. It doesn't have to be your cup of tea, but these other things can exist and it's not going to take away from the other thing. Right. So there you go, folks. The Joker sequel is happening. Um, I'm just trying to look through this really quick. Um, do we have like any kind of idea on timing? Well, if the script is done and Joaquin Phoenix is, is reading it, um, and uh yeah based on this too on the draft and the date on there it looks like it was finalized around late may so if he's reading it um depending on his schedule we could get filming by the end of this year or maybe early next year so i think you're looking at like a 2024 release for this um at the earliest um unless they can produce it much more quickly um i imagine if it's like the first movie uh obviously you don't really need any special effects and stuff like that it's a little more grounded filmed on location um they just gotta you know Certainly, a lot of work with sets and costumes because you need to make, you know, wherever you're shooting it, whether it's New York, Chicago, you need to like make it look like it's back in the, you know, 80s uh, when the first one took place. Or we also, that's the thing too, is we also don't know how long, uh, how much time is going to have passed from the first movie to this movie. There could be several years in between, it could be right after. but yeah, it certainly just brings up a lot of questions, um, even with the ending of the first film kind of leaving it off. Like, was this all in his head? Um, was all of that a delusion? Did it happen or not? Has he been in the hospital the whole time? There's like there, it was left with a lot of that. So I wonder if this is and I don't know that that might have been kind of the cool thing for people. So ambiguous. So now when you do a sequel, do you have to kind of like. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, do you answer some of those questions and make it less mysterious and make it less of like a intriguing movie? Time will tell. All right. So now we did a Marvel. We did a DC. DC. I'm going to switch over to games for a little bit, just for a little bit. Um, we had summer game fest recently. It actually snuck up on me. I kept thinking of the, that it was going to be on the 12th, but I forgot that's the Xbox showcase, which I'm, you know, definitely looking forward a little more, uh, to that one. Uh, but we have summer game fest, which is like kind of a replacement for E3. People are calling it T3 because it's from Jeff Keighley. And I think that's kind of funny. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to go through everything. There was, there was, it was like a two hour show. There was a lot of stuff announced. I just want to talk very briefly about some of the uh, announcements that were made that uh kind of cross over with uh the nerd fandom and maybe some things mario and i have discussed previously um so again i'm just i'm gonna go pretty quick i'm not gonna really go too wild with this so the first thing i want to call up again is the callisto protocol so um if you were listening last week this is by glenn Schofield. he's the original creator of dead space he's with a new studio now and he developed a new survival horror game called the Callisto Protocol. Uh, so we did get a trailer of that uh, recently at the Sony State of Play. But at the Summer Game Fest, we actually got a gameplay uh, demo. So we actually got to see actual gameplay of the game. And now seeing it, it's like, boy, does this game look and feel uh, everything like Dead Space. Not a bad thing. But I mean, going down, uh, it, it's, a, it's in space. It's very dark and spooky. Uh, the enemies are very gross and wet. Um that seems to be that's just always like whenever monsters or creatures are like really wet, it makes them so much more horrifying and gross. And um now with these uh you know consoles we have now like the PS5, uh damn can man- make them real moist, and they are fucking gross. Um so uh yeah, it, it really it, it just I, I mentioned it last week again too. It's very funny how this is made by the original dead space creator it's coming out december 2nd and then we have a full from the ground up remake of the original dead space coming out a month later in january not with the original creator um so it's going to be very interesting to see um if the callisto protocol is able to totally like just ape what they're able to do with the Dead Space remake. I mean, Dead Space has the benefit of, like, the nostalgia factor and everyone just loving that series and the lore. And we do know they're going to be kind of expanding the lore a little bit and kind of fleshing things out better. It deals with, like, cults in space and, like, all this crazy, you know, uh, mystery stuff. We don't really know much about the story of Callisto Protocol yet. But I'm just curious if, uh, you know, Callisto Protocol is going to shit on Dead Space's parade or if Callisto Protocol comes out and it's, like, you know, good, but that Dead Space remake comes out and is just, like, just really takes it to the next level um or listen there's plenty of room for both of them to be very good but yeah wow uh literally so back to the cluster protocol real quick um so we see some uh i guess like earlier footage of the game it looks like you're like a prisoner and it looks like something happens on the space prison because you're in like an orange jumpsuit but uh they have the 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 health bar is something that's not on a hud but is actually on the body in dead space you had kind of like this like uh health reader that went like you know vertical along his spine it would show you how his health was green being good yellow being bad and like red being you're in danger um this one just has a horizontal one across the neck so it, it but it's the same way like you're looking at um environmental hints or like uh things on your character to kind of tell your status uh, maybe the way they're moving if they're hobbling as they get a little more hurt and injured um, so that, but then uh, to go even further, they showed a clip, I guess I would assume for later in the game. I don't know if it's like late in the game or just like a few hours after the intro. But at this point, the main character now has some kind of like suit on and it looks very similar to like the engineer dead space suit uh, from uh, from the dead space series. So at that point, I was really like, wow, this really looks like dead space um, down to the way the combat and the shooting looks. It's a little stiff. Um, you know, it's got, it's, you know, which helps add to the survival horror element. Um, the game looks absolutely incredible. It looks stunning. The lighting, um, the special effects. Uh, it looks like also uh, from the gameplay, this, from the character, he looked like he was focused on dismembering the enemies. He was doing a lot of limb shooting um there are some melee attacks you can throw in there they even brought in the stasis which is like kind of like a telekinesis kind of thing where you can like freeze enemies or pull them towards you or throw things um and they use that uh to great effect uh was one shot where they actually grab an alien and then throw him into a spinning like vent fan and you see him just explode in beautiful gore uh, the end of the trailer had a, a cool uh, little thing too. It had a pretty gruesome death, which is very reminiscent of some of the ones you'd see in Dead Space. Or I think one of the more famous ones is Resident Evil 4 when you would get chainsawed and that was like very, very graphic. Um, our main character here gets like sucked into some kind of like vent or fan thing, and you kind of see him. Sh- it was like kind of horrifying. It was a little like uh, it stressed me out a bit. He was like struggling to get out, and you just see him kind of just get sucked in and just turn into mush. Um, so it looks like environmental factors also are a danger to yourself, too, not just to be used as a tool to kill enemies. And it looks like the enemies can use that because if I'm not mistaken from the trailer, it looked like an enemy like punched you or hit you into there so it's like you kind of really got to watch out and that's the power of next gen now is just like more interactivity so um i am super excited for this game i do hope it ends up uh being good and and playing well and uh you know i i love survival horror um so bring it on bring it on so that's the callisto protocol uh get it on your radar um there was also like there was just a ton of like space zombies and and Spooky space stuff in this uh presentation, which is just kind of funny. Uh, coincidentally, like a million studios are working on things like that. Um, the other thing I wanted to shout out was Marvel's Midnight Suns. We had a trailer, a reveal trailer for this, I believe, last year. Um, and it was kind of being pitched as like kind of like a RPG. Uh, people were thinking it's going to be kind of like an an X- it's it is by the team that makes XCOM. So people were thinking it's going to be like a Marvel XCOM. Uh, but um here's a couple of things so you get to create your own character very cool a lot of cool marvel characters in it it's an original story it doesn't uh copy the midnight sun's uh, arc from the actual comics it's kind of like just like a little variation or spin on that they showed some gameplay this time here's the thing that got me and and you know listen this might be totally up your alley and i hope it is but they showed the gameplay and i saw a part that said it is a card based. Uh, Like you're building like a card desk deck for attacks and buffs and debuffs. And it's like a kind of like a strategy RPG. And as soon as they said card based, I kind of checked out. I just went, no, I can't. I can't. I can't do cards. I don't know. Like there's something about it. It's not, you know, I, I, to be fair, I have not really given any card or deck based games a chance. So I'm also being a little bit of like, uh, you know, whatever. I suck. I'm not, I'm not actually, um, I'm not actually really engaged in those games and haven't given it a fair shot. But it's just when I look at it, it's just like my eyes glaze over and it doesn't do anything for me. Um, And it it looks like it's going to be cool. Like there's there's some uh, um, like dark versions of Hulk and Venom. It looks like they get uh, possessed by the bad side, uh, uh, whoever that is. I think it's like Lady Lady Hydra or something like that. So we're going to see some of our Marvel heroes maybe get like possessed and and be on, on the wrong side of things. Um, so it's going to be cool. It's going to have like that, I guess that civil war feel where it's Marvel, uh, heroes fighting heroes, villains, fighting villains and and whatnot, like a cool mix of that. And and like I said, it's an original story. You get to create your own character and hang out with these. And it looks like they're going to have like a lot of, RPG aspects and you there's like a hub area you can walk around in and talk to characters and there's going to be like a pretty involved story so maybe it will turn out to be super cool I need to see a little bit more I maybe need to look at reviews and, and see how it is like maybe maybe the reviews will come out and they'll say hey it's very accessible and even if you don't like card based games um is something you should check out and then maybe I'll dive in um it looks really cool um and and it's something different um it's not just like another third person action game we're getting a ton of those so uh yeah there we go. And it's turn-based. So that, that, that mileage may vary on that. I know a friend of the show, Rob Marrera, my old co-host from the Play It Loudcast, does not like turn-based RPGs. So this might not be up his alley. Um, Now uh, the last thing I wanted to throw out, uh, was there anything else crazy? Oh no, it's not the last thing. I have two more things. So the other thing I wanted to shout out really quick was, uh, and I mentioned this before, I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, If you haven't heard, um, this is basically a new old-school style beat-em-up with the Ninja Turtles. Um, What's really awesome about this is, you know, obviously it's able to do some more stuff visually. Um, It is still 2D sprite-based, but it looks a little nicer because we're on modern consoles. And uh, the original voice cast of the Ninja Turtles cartoon is back to do the voices for the Turtles. Um, I don't know if everybody's back, but at least a couple of them are back to do it, which I think is really awesome. Um, April O'Neil is playable. And in this uh, Summer Games Fest, they just announced that Casey Jones will be a playable character. Also, Splinter is too. So, um, yeah, really, really cool. They announced that there's going to be a six-player co-op mode, which has to be absolute insanity. Um, But it's, it's... given me those you know the original nes side scroller beat-em-ups the arcade beat-em-ups and like turtles in time it's totally got that you can throw enemies into the screen and uh, i am all about it it looks like they're pouring a ton of a uh, love into this you could tell the people um it's actually dot is uh developing it and they do like just they're really good at doing these like old school retro style games so i'm very excited for that and th- they announced too that it is uh i don't have it in front of me but i think it's coming out in, like a few weeks it's coming out in like like by the end of June or like early July. So it'll be in our hands before you know it. And also I don't think it's out yet. Um, But uh, if you didn't see, they are doing a collection of all of the old uh Ninja Turtles beat-em-ups the original ones from NES uh the Sega Genesis Hyperstone Heist Turtles in Time um I think even like the Game Boy versions or something like that are coming on there so and it has it looks like it has a lot of cool like just like behind the scenes like drawings and sketches and and art and all that stuff so that uh that's called I think it's just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collection or it's like Cowabunga collection. I think that's what it is. So yeah, keep your eye out for that too. If you're if you're starving for some beat-em-ups or some couch co-op games, you're about to get like a million of them. And um, I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to pick this one up and uh, hopefully, hey, maybe we can play. Uh, I can play with some listeners uh, on the show. It looks like they're going to have online, which is pretty dope. Uh, now, the last thing I wanted to shout out, this was actually announced um, not at the Summer Game Fest. Um, I think it came out in the D- Devolver Digital, like a... Uh, portion of like their little like summer display thing uh it's coming to ps5 it's called the plucky squire Um, i will maybe try to throw a link in the youtube uh description uh so basically what this game looks like it's uh using the power of the ps5 so really really pretty looking game very colorful it looks it's reminding me right away of like a zelda-esque game so you know look what you got me take my money um so it's like a top-down 2d kind of zelda thing but it looks like it takes place in a storybook so it's like you're almost looking at like a desk at a home in like a kid's room and there's a storybook there and the levels are on these two pages and you see like the the division between the two pages and you're walking across them and it looks like it has little puzzles and just like some cool combat But if you actually watch the end of the trailer, there's a section where you actually pop out of the storybook and now you're in 3D and you're walking around the actual kid's room and it just looks really friggin' cool, really inspired. There's some shots where um, it looks like you actually go on like a coffee mug. So it's like a curved coffee mug. It reminds me of like Link Between Worlds if you played that for 3DS where you could flop between 3D and 2D. And then all of a sudden you were, like, in a 2D, like, side-scrolling shooter going around, like, the arc of the curve of, like, a coffee mug that was on the table. And then you were interacting with, like, other objects in the real-life room. And I wonder if, like, yeah, there's, like, parts where you switch back into the storybook and then you're back in 3D. Or if it's going to, like, just maybe at the beginning you're in the storybook and then that's the big twist. is like, oh, no, you're not. Now you're outside of it. I don't know. It was just, like, a quick, like, minute and 15-second trailer. But – It is on my radar. I would encourage you to check it out. The Plucky Squire. It looks very, very cool. Um, And uh, I don't know if there's a release date for it yet, but it looks awesome. And it looks like it's coming to PS5. I don't see anything uh, about Xbox or not or like switch it probably i probably wouldn't run on switch let's face it uh so um i would imagine it'll be on that maybe, maybe we'll get it for like pc too but that's on my radar that's like that's probably the coolest thing i think i saw it looks like i just love really creative stuff like that it looks like gameplay is king and that's always the most important thing to me um even more than story most of the time So that's my quick summer game fest rundown there. Again, there was a ton of stuff announced, but those are the things I thought that were most interesting to me. And that kind of crossed over with uh, our fandom. So that said, we're going to go back to Marvel. So Deadpool, Deadpool three, we've been talking about this one for a while. Are we getting Deadpool three up now? Disney owns Fox. Are they going to let him make Deadpool three? Are they going to water it down? Yada, yada, yada. Um, We got some quick comments from the writers. Um, I'll paraphrase here. I'm not, um, you know, actually I will, I'm going to just read what they said. They, they, it's pretty well written out. So, uh, we got from, uh, they recently told the playlist, um, which I assume is some kind of publication online. Um, quote, it's these Disney people and these people do things their way. And we were used to doing things our way. So there are differences, but I think the great part is that Marvel's been incredibly supportive. They're going to let Deadpool be Deadpool, you know? It's not like any particular joke may be the one that they say, you know, that's too far. That could happen, but to this point, it's been nothing but support. It's been nothing but, how can we help you? What from our universe would you like to use? How can we make your life easy? And we're going to let Deadpool be Deadpool. We're not, this is not going to be the Disney-fied Deadpool. So they're awesome, and now it's up to us to come through and justify that faith. Um, They were also then asked if it was going to remain an R-rated affair which obviously is very important everybody. We want to keep that R rating. Um, he said, uh, Reese, uh, one of the writers said, oh, absolutely. They're not going to mess with the tone. I mean, I'd never say never. I guess there's an outside chance, but we've always been told it can be R rated and we're proceeding as if it's R. We would like it to be R. We always have. So I don't think that'll change. So obviously he's not going to like absolutely say it because who knows, like maybe Disney could change their mind, but the good news, and certainly news that I think is good, is that Disney's going to let it rock. This franchise has already been established with two movies. Um, I think they know that if they come in and just try to like soften it up and and make it like you know, Disney-fy it as they say it. I think they know that would just be, like, a really big, bad faith move to the fan base. Um, again, not that you can cave and cater to, f- and, and, uh, cater to fans all the time. I, you know, I always say, like, I don't always believe in that. But something like this, like, it's cool to for it to be, like, a little bit of an outlier. Like, and, again, we already have two movies like that. There's an expectation. And, you know, that's that's part of the fun of this. It's kind of like that, that ooh, it's the real bad one, you know? Um interestingly enough though if you remember deadpool 2 they did do a re-release that with a pg-13 version that came out in theaters and i think out on like blu-ray and dvd so i could always see disney doing something like that where we get the r-rated film and then maybe like a few months later they release like a pg-13 cut which like honestly that's that's fine with me like if it bothers you I don't know why it bothers you. As long as you're getting the thing that you want and, and the the rated R version, what we've come to expect, you shouldn't really care if they also decide to release a PG-13 version so more people can see it and so they can make more money. Uh, you know what I mean? Also, it, it creates jobs. So I, I could see something like that happening. Just being the fact that Fox did it, um, I could totally see Disney doing it and there's a precedent for it. But that is good news as far as I'm concerned that uh, they're letting them, uh, them do the thing. They're letting them dead, they're letting Deadpool be Deadpool. So I'm happy to hear that. And I think that's a smart and good move by Disney and Marvel. Now back to DC again, guys, we finally got that black Adam trailer and guess what did not get an answer at all on how the hierarchy of the power of what the hierarchy of power in the DC universe, how it's going to change. Nothing. They didn't even mention the hierarchy of power in the trailer. So I'm very disappointed. I also shot a couple of tweets out and tagged the rock in it and he hasn't gotten back to me. So you know what? He's scared. He's obviously scared of me. Uh, so he, he doesn't even know the answer. He just wants to keep saying it. So we got the black Adam trailer. Um, quick reactions. I only watched it once. I didn't watch it like 10, 20 times. I actually think it's very cool that they're including the justice society of America. Um, you know, they gave they had the little voiceover that was like, "I spent most of my life as a slave, and then I died, and now I got power, and I'm Black Adam." Um, like they kind of did that. I the trailer didn't do much for me. It, it looked like a fun action flick. Um, it was The Rock being The Rock, which I see people being surprised at that. Like, no, he's gonna do The Rock. Like, that's what he's doing. But um, what I kind of hope, you know. The trailer just showed off like kind of the the action, some of the Justice Side of America, and kind of that dynamic a little bit. I hope they like this movie has something to say a little bit. It, it is not just like you know Hobbs and Shaw with the Rock in a Black Adam costume. I hope uh, you know Black Adam has an interesting backstory. The fact that you know, and they say you know, uh, what's the tagline? Like you know, the world needed a hero. They got Black Adam. And then they had also the line, which we've heard in I think the previous little like behind the scenes teaser at the DC fandom, where it was like, you know, heroes don't kill people. And he's like, I do. Um, I hope we get an explanation for that. Not just like, I'm just badass. So I'm going to do that. Like, I hope like we see how his time in slavery and seeing the injustices of the the injustices of the world have kind of molded him into that, and why he has that perspective, which is a little more unique, and puts him at odds with his uh, JSA, you know, colleagues like Hawkman and, and Hawk Girl and Doctor uh, Fate and stuff like that. So I just hope there's a little more substance because that trailer did not show me that there was going to be any substance. That it was just going to be kind of like a paint by numbers action flick. That's my my first impressions based off the trailer. I'm not trying to shit on it. Am I going to see it? Yes. Um, but that's my first impression. I just hope there's a little more. I hope like the next little peak or trailer we get for it has a little more like emotional or like backbone behind it and, and gives us a little more insight to that backstory of Black Adam. I think that's the most intriguing part. He has a very interesting place in DC Comics and in the DC Universe. And certainly if he's going to be moving forward into Shazam and stuff like that, um, I think it's important to not make sure he's not one note. Um, you know, we have the advantage this time, right. Of him, not just showing up as a villain in a Shazam movie where he, he only has like a couple of minutes to develop him. And then they're just like, Oh, well, I'm angry and I'm the bad guy. And then it's like, like pretty much every, like most Marvel movies where it's like, we get very little um, development on the villains and then we don't really care about them. And then it leads to like, just like a big lackluster uh, CGI fest at the end. Um, the fact that you're going to have a black Adam movie, um, solo movie and who knows if we'll have another one before he does appear in shazam or crossover like you have that time to really like give him some development like that's why thanos worked so well was because they were able to really give him some development in infinity in infinity war um i think and really give him some screen time uh and also in endgame uh and really kind of flesh him out so i think uh, you have that going for you now with this so really flesh him out in this movie because then it won't matter as much if we can't spend that much time with him in a Shazam sequel where they they finally butt heads you know but we got to have that i got to care about this guy and he is an anti-hero too so that makes it interesting like he's he's not i guess he's not technically supposed to be all bad um but if he is pitting up against Shazam, uh, you would presume in that movie he is the de facto bad guy. So I don't know. Let's let's make it a little more gray. Let's make it a little more interesting. I, I hope they don't forget to do that. So that's my that's my initial reactions on Black Adam, and I'm sure we'll hear from uh, Mario when I when I have him. Uh, but to continue with Black Adam, a little more came out. So we got some information here as well that Dwayne Johnson is. Uh, and I'm going to quote him. He was asked by comicbook.com. He said, I am 100% committed to not only Black Adam, but then expanding the Black Adam universe, the DC universe. Okay, so he says this is a big project. He goes on to say it was a big project. He's been developing it for a long time. It was like they started talking about this in the, the mid 2000s. Um, so you're talking about like the 2010 area. So he, he's very invested in it. And it looks like, you know, especially now we know that, you know, I mean, we've known that the Justice Society of America is appearing in this film. It looks like they might try to like just build out a little mini universe with Black Adam and maybe the JSA. And, you know, obviously we know it's going to at some point cross over with Shazam, which we could, uh, I guess, Who knows anymore at this point, right? But we could assume that's a part of the main DCE universe, but that there could be like this little carved out niche of a Black Adam universe that focuses on the JSA and maybe some like other outlier characters um, in that world. And then his only crossover really will be in Shazam um, or like, you know, if he does mix it up with um, the full Justice League when we get that back or Superman or Superman uh, our Henry Conville Superman. Um, there's also been some information that came out. Um, I forgot, I'm forgetting where, so I can't credit it, but, uh, apparently, uh, in this movie, um, there, I don't know if there's any references directly to some of the characters that are in out right now in the DC universe, but, uh, there's been some mention that Black Adam is aware that there are other heroes, I guess, outside of the JSA and elsewhere in the world. So, um, you know, that way I guess they keep it open so that we could get that Superman crossover and we could get him interjected into Shazam. And so it looks like they, they are plotting that, but maybe it'll be like a little looser. Maybe they won't be like name dropping, so to speak. Um, so yeah, so I don't know how you feel about that. Let us know. Like that, you know, that could be the thing. Like they, they're going to build like the main DCEU. Maybe they're going to try to still keep this thing with the the flash, even though. I won't go into it, but yeah, more weird crap came out about Ezra Miller, so I don't know what to do with this. I mean, the film's going to probably come out, but I don't, who knows what's going to happen with him uh, after that releases next year. But, uh, you know, if they are still going to do the main Justice League, uh, you know, the, the Flash, Batman, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, maybe getting a Green Lantern in there or something like that. Um, Aquaman, if they are going to keep that mean, uh, that's like one universe. And then maybe they will just split up and make this black Adam universe. And then, you know, we do have like blue beetle coming out. Um, maybe they'll build like a little small pocket universe out of that. Maybe some stuff will mingle, but they will be separate little pocket universes. Um, maybe that's the way they're going to go rather than necessarily making it one huge universe where everything has to be connected. They could just keep things loose, but then keep things more connected within their little bubble. I don't know. Who knows? This could also just be a thing exclusive to Black Adam. I mean, I would assume here they made this deal with The Rock um, and he has a production company. He's like what, like the highest paid actor in Hollywood. He has a lot of cachet. I think he's got a little a little pull. I think he can strong arm people. So maybe he just convinced DC to be like, listen, I'll do this thing and I'll be involved in it. He's like, I'm definitely going to bring you guys money because people love seeing my movies and they love seeing me. And but you got to let me just build my own little universe out. And maybe they were just like, all right, fine. You know, we'll let you do that. Maybe it's not going to happen for everything. Maybe it's just a thing that's doing for The Rock. Who knows? Um, so, you know, and listen, I guess that's also going to depend too. We'll see how this movie hits. Um, like I said, that first trailer was fun. It had the things I expect. He looked like a badass. He was The Rock. But I, I'm really hoping we see something with a little more depth next time. This just seemed like the big uh, greatest hits action trailer uh, for me. You know, but hey, I don't know. I, I Some people seem pumped by it. So hey, teach their own. Um, we'll see when this movie hits, um, which I think is we got pushed back. Right, we're coming out in a. Uh... Oh no, we are still we're still hitting this year. I forgot. Uh, Aquaman got bumped. Yeah, October twenty first, twenty twenty two. So uh, that's happening. That is happening this year. We'll we'll know soon enough. All right. So that is it with uh, the big news from this week. Uh, so I'm going to bring it home with just a quick. Obi-Wan episode four reaction. So episode four came out. uh, One of the shorter episodes, I think, so far. I think it was only about like 40 minutes long. Um, So this whole episode was entirely about uh, rescuing um, little Princess Leia from uh, the Fortress Inquisitoris, which that name is really something <laughs> i don't know it's funny i guess they mentioned it like i forgot that it did appear in fallen order in the jedi fallen order the video game and i forgot if they called it that in the game or not um but uh when they said it in this episode it was a little funny to me but it's star wars so i mean like everything's fucking weird and funny so uh yeah so we got this episode so we got a little bit of obi-wan uh recovering in a back to tank and then we decided uh he said hey we got to rescue this girl." so uh we met some more rebels and they found a way to get onto um you know the fortress inquisitoris uh which is on that like water moon um outside of uh mustafar one of the moons that circles mustafar which is where vader's base is so he keeps his he keeps his inquisitors close um we got to see purge troopers which actually are characters that were introduced in Jedi Fallen Order they're like uh black uh, gar- uh black armored stormtroopers and they have a little bit like a fancier kind of looking armor and little like frills on it and uh they're the they're the ones that are like the elite ones that like hang out in the fortress uh, inquisitors <laughs> the fortress inquisitors i really can't with that it, it's the more i say it it sounds even stupider but uh why they just call it the Fortress of the Inquisitors. Just like, just call it that. That's fine. That's fine. We I mean, do Fortress Inquisitoris. Like, like it's fucking Latin. Like it's not. Um, and does Latin even exist in the Star Wars universe? Think about it. Think about it. Um, so yeah, so we got this. So we got like a fun. We got a fun episode. It was a fun little heist movie. Um, you know, part of me. Uh, you know, we had Obi Wan uh, infiltrating the base um, through underwater, which was cool um we got to see him start to kind of like he's starting to like reconnect with the force a little bit he still is like you know he obi-wan was never like a really flashy swordsman um obviously especially not in the alec guinness version but even compared to like anakin and uh some of the crazy stuff we saw yoda doing in the prequels he was always uh never a very flashy he was kind of a slower more calculated like lightsaber saber saber wielder um so uh you know you could look at that as like oh he's still kind of like getting working out the kinks but also like he was never like the like flip and spinning around a million times and like do all these fancy things so he did that but you know he still looks he still looks a little rusty we'll say that um he was very surprised when he got to use his jedi mind trick and it worked he was like oh shit good okay i can do that he was able to get those stormtroopers to like think the sound came from somewhere else and go search a different area so you can move down the hallway um so yeah so we had a nice little um uh infiltration kind of like heist episode with obi-wan trying to get princess leia out um you know one of the things i'll mention i thought about this during the episode but then also came to another realization um first off my the realization was that i was like wow the empire is just fucking really has really bad security i mean and i was thinking i'm like are they really like that stupid like how did he get in how did he get past the, all of the, all of these check you know check uh checks like you know security checks um the uh i keep forgetting her name but the female that 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 is like a double double agent uh officer for the empire and like uh jedi um uh helper or or, or rebel rebel uh whatever rebel uh she like you know i I feel like how many times have they used that trick over like like, oh, I um they're they're suspicious of me. Let me just try and shame <laughs> the other the other uh empire officer. And if I shame him enough and throw rank around, they'll just back off. They do that all the time. And I'm just like, wow, it just seems really easy to like break into like all of these uh empire facilities and or like and or blow them up. So I was kind of thinking it was like a thing that was isolated to this episode. So I was kinda like, really? Like that's very convenient. But then, but then I like I like I just said, I thought about it and I was like. They've never been good at security, though. They've never been from the get-go. In the new movies, in the prequels, in the original films, the Empire seems really unorganized, has very bad security, and almost, like, really fucking naive. So so I, I, I was going to kind of, like, fault the episode. I was like, that's just that's it's just way too convenient, and it seemed like a very easy heist. But at the same time, when has the Empire ever been good at keeping people out? Um, we got a little more development this week on Riva a little more we spent a little more time with her. I don't know if I want to call it development, so to speak. We didn't learn like much more about her past, but we did get a little more time with her. I, I am fine with this character. Um, I know people are saying like that uh, and Mario kind of like thinks she f- I think it was more that like he just thought that she seemed out of place because she was just like a regular human with these weird aliens. Um, a lot of other people are just saying that like she's poorly developed and they don't like her character. I mean, I'm cool with this character. She's, she's like an overly ambitious, maybe sometimes naive, blinded by her, her um, you know, uh, uh, pursuit of power, uh, kind of character. And like, I'm okay with that. Just being like this brash, young, um, you know, insecure, obviously, uh, you know, member of the inquisitors. And like, obviously she has a lot of ambition, but sometimes that it's kind of blinding her and like leaving her making stupid decisions. And yet she almost got, she almost gets killed by Vader in this one. Like Vader was just like, I told you it was going to happen. Yo, I told you it was going to happen if you fucked up and he like choked her out bad. Um, but that was a cool little, little reveal at the end that she threw a tracker. And at first I was kind of like, I was like, Oh, you throw, Oh, how convenient you got a tracker on one of the ships. But then to find out in that last shot, that she had threw the tracker on princess leia's little droid i was like oh you know what i didn't even think of that and it makes so much sense because she had it in her hand and i actually thought that was like a nice that was actually like a cool little touch so she's a little smarter than you think she's crafty but she's definitely like she makes me like that's that's fine with me to have that character doesn't need to be like like a friggin' like perfect death machine like the fact that she's a little flawed and you know listen so was anakin You know, like, let's not forget he was making like a lot of like decisions and definitely conflicted. And, you know, I mentioned last week that I have a feeling that they're going to try to like, that she is going to be turn out to be one of those kids that survived order 66 and was taken in and tortured and brainwashed by the empire uh, to flip sides very much like the second sister was in Jedi fallen order. But, and I have a feeling they might be moving towards a redemption arc with her, which I'm just like, I, I, even after six episodes even if you develop her even more like much better or more deeply than you have i'm still not gonna like buy or care about a redemption arc and it's just like i'm tired of the redemption arcs like let people just be we could have a couple of people that are just fucking bad like just straight up bad horrible people and she could be like a bad brash like stupid you know kind of character that and ultimately ultimately gets done in by her own hubris you know like that's okay and that seems like how they're developing her but i just really hope they don't do the redemption arc let's just keep her bad i was very upset when they did it with kylo ren um the greatest redemption arc in history is is darth vayner and like nothing's ever going to live up to that you're not going to develop a character enough for me to like want that like they wanted to do that with kylo ren and it just did not work for me like he was just just no keep him bad like Like, it sucks, you know, that he's Han and Leia's kid. But, like, just keep in bed. He killed Han. It's unforgivable. It's unforgivable at this point. So, I don't know. So, overall, I did like the episode. Again, it it does, like I said, it, it does make the Empire look completely fucking useless. And you wonder, like, how they even managed to, like, get to the point that they did, you know? And, like, have all these plans and, like, make the Death Star and actually, like, get... You know, take over the majority of the galaxy because you're just like, wow, you guys can't you guys can't seem to even just keep people out they Just you're not you're not good at it. <laughs> you just straight up suck. You're very incompetent. You guys are horrible. Lame. Um you know, like even like, you know, some of the stuff like in the hallway with Ob blocking all the shots. Cool. He had the, the probe droid behind him and then the two um, stormtroopers in front of them shooting at him. And there was like definitely a couple of spots where I was like, he's blocking the other person so they could totally get a shot off on him. There's been like a little bit. I have to say like there's some staging things like, you know, like the comically slow chase again to, to capture Leia in like uh, the, the the first episode and then also again in the second episode in uh, Dayu, uh, Dai, Dayo, whatever. Um, that was kind of like, I was like, oh, I mean, I kind of forgave it, but I was just like, you should have, this kid's running so slow. We should have caught her already. And there's been a couple of weird things with the action there. I'm just like, it seems like they're slowing things down a little too much. It doesn't seem like that much of a threat here and there. But again, just watching Ewan McGregor and just like a good sneak around stealthily kind of episode was, was very fun. So I did very much like the episode. Um, the Empire is stupid. Um, I like Reva. Um, we have two episodes left. Um, uh, hopefully, though, at this point, I'm kind of like – I like that they did the Leia thing. I've appreciated it so far. Uh, they, they rescued her back now. And – I'm kind of hoping that they're done with that now. And like, the only thing is now that it's like Leia's droid, when they do drop her back off, like they're gonna be tracking back to Leia. So I have a feeling like she's still gonna be involved in the next two episodes. But I kind of I kind of was hoping they would just put that part to rest. Like, okay, we got her back now. She got captured like 17 fucking, not 17 times, whatever. You know, she got captured once, um, you know, we rescued her and uh, they got captured again and then we rescued her. And like, okay, that's enough. Like, maybe we could just get her back now and uh, she's safe on Alderaan and we can just kind of follow Obi for the next two episodes. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming there's going to be a showdown with the Inquisitors and I'm very much assuming we're going to have one more showdown with Vader. That's a little more, um, less Obi-Wan getting his ass kicked and a little more of like a, a sick, a sick, sick, awesome battle um, between the two. Or at least like, just some really intense meeting uh between the two of them again uh where they can kind of like grieve and let out some of what they've been feeling i i I, I, I almost want them to just sit down and have a one-to-one tell all like you know man it really but bo- it really bothered me when you cut all my limbs off and he's like well it really bothered me man when you betrayed me um I, I i do like i want that i want that i want to get into their psyches a little bit i want to see them interact a little bit more uh obi-wan Invader, that is so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the Leia thing – I liked it. It's cool. I hope they kind of just like put that to the side now and we can just kind of focus on Obi. So that is my episode four reaction. And uh, with that, that's our episode this week, folks. So don't forget, you can always email us at thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at the Fanboy Show on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at Mario directly at uh, idjweddings. Um, you can also tweet at Superman on film. You can also tweet me at super bretcon. So however you want to get in touch with us, you want to talk to us individually. Uh, if you want to, uh, comment on the YouTube video, I do, uh, take time to, uh, read the comments on YouTube. Um, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll go through the normal housekeeping spiel. Please leave us a review on, on your podcast service. Please comment on YouTube, leave little comments. Uh, I do appreciate that. Please subscribe. Please share the show. It helps. We want to get in that algorithm, that old algorithm, and we'd love to get in front of more and more people. Um, I have been seeing our subscribers have been going up on YouTube, which is really awesome, and I think our, our listenership has been growing uh, quite a bit since we kind of relaunched the show. So I'm I'm really excited about that, and I'm excited you guys are on this journey with us. I hope the show is informative. I hope it feels Like, you know, I know every show says this, but I hope it is, it it feels like you get to spend like an hour to an hour and a half with us every week. And it gets to feel like you're just kind of sitting around geeking out with your friends um, on some of the stuff that you love. You know, uh, we really try to like, as much as we can keep it positive on here. I really try not to say that we're always successful. I try not to shit on things. I want to keep a positive outlook on things. And listen, when something doesn't work out, we go, Hey, it didn't work out but we're not going to be mean there are human beings out there that are like working on this and for some people it's their dream to work on some of these movies and TV shows and films and people bust their ass man people bust their ass and you know what not everyone is paid great in this industry you know you see these actors making money but not all the crew and production people are really getting paid that great i know because i used to do a little bit of production work um so, you know, I I don't like to like just shit on things cuz th- there's someone put a lot of hard work into that. And you know, listen, we just need to make we need to make the fandom better. Um, you know, uh one of the things, you know, we have the Fanboy podcast, like the name of the show. And you know, sometimes fanboy can have like a derogatory term uh term to it. I've even talked about that with Mario. And when we first started talking about it, you know, I was like, "Do you want to keep it as like the fanboy cuz I'm like, I don't know, it's like but I think for us we want to kind of like take that term back and a fanboy could just be someone who's super passionate about these things. And it doesn't have to mean that you're also like shitty and mean to other fans and a gatekeeper. So, uh, I appreciate you, uh, the listener listening to our show and hopefully you're also spreading that message. And, uh, you know, let's, let's take that, let's take that term back and let's take it back for the good positive fandom. And let's just try to enjoy and speculate and have fun with all this stuff. So, uh, With that said, that is, uh, yeah, that's the close of episode 152. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, And, yeah, uh, what's that thing we always say? Uh, That's right. Life is chaos. Be kind. And stay fanboy. Adios.